Well, good morning. Uh, sorry, I might need to bring those discussions to a close. Uh, my name's Aaron. If I haven't met you yet, uh, I've been going to Enfield Anglican for about a year. Uh, it will be great to get to know you and chat to you after service. Uh, let me pray before we get into God's Word. Father, we uh, pray that you would still our hearts. Help us to understand what you have to say to us in Psalm 115. We pray that we would not walk away unchanged by your word. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Well, have you ever thought that life would be better if you weren't a Christian? Maybe it's the sacrificial giving that you find just a bit too costly, the thousands of dollars each year you give away. Maybe you wish you could enjoy the finer things in life. You know, splurge on that sports car, the yearly really expensive holiday, those designer handbags and so on. The things you've deliberately refrained from because, you know, that's part of being a generous Christian. Maybe it's the fact that you feel like there's a bit of a target on your back whenever you're at school, at work and so on. Whenever people talk about whether God exists, uh, my son doesn't really like it when I'm up preaching. I don't know why. Um, uh, uh, maybe it's uh, at work when the topic comes up about some press, pressing issue that Christians think very differently to others about. Maybe it's abortion. And you feel like, oh, you know, it'd be so much easier if I wasn't a Christian. I wouldn't have to have that target on my back and have that difficult conversation. Maybe it's the ethical life that Christians are called to live. Wouldn't it be easier to just not have to care about others, to simply think about yourself and your own happiness? Wouldn't it be easier to not spend your life in service of others? Wouldn't it be better to not have to worry about these things, to have that secret affair on that business trip, to not care about your family so that you can progress faster in your career? Or maybe your question is a bit different. Maybe you're wondering why your life is so difficult when you're meant to be one of God's people. Doesn't God care about me? Doesn't he want me not to struggle to pay the bills? Doesn't he want me to not be lonely? To not feel like I'm struggling at work? Doesn't he want me to be happy, to have that fulfilling life, to not be bullied at school or at work? Doesn't he want me to have decent sleep at night rather than a screaming baby? Doesn't he want me to not worry about my declining health? Well, if you had these questions, you're not alone because Israel herself, God's people, had these questions in Psalm 115. You get hints of that in what the other nations are asking in verse 2. Keep, please keep your Bibles open. Why do the nations say, where is their God? You see, even from the outside, it didn't look amazing to be God's people at many times. Now, we don't know when the psalm was written, but there have been so many times in Israel's history where life was difficult, and a lot more difficult than what many of us have experienced. For example, the nation faced annihilation or exile. It faced going through the exile itself. It had to face rebuilding the temple in the face of foreign opposition and fear for their lives. Well, they even faced disaster through a later Persian ruler in the book of Esther. 
So it's not surprising that the nations around Israel are asking, where is their God? Because they're thinking, well, if there really was a God uh, that they had, wouldn't that God care about them enough to bring them up out of their present trouble? But notice the psalmist's response in verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Israel couldn't assume that being God's people meant you were guaranteed good things now. God is not some vending machine or Santa Claus who gives us what we want. And that just reduces God to someone we can control. No, God is far bigger than that, isn't he? The highest heavens belong to him. Verse 16. See, our God is a glorious God, and to his name be the glory. Verse 1. And verse 1 also helps us remind the reader that Life is not about making us feel good, look good. It's not about us honouring ourselves, but about giving God the glory. It's about praising him for his love and faithfulness. That's the very opposite of what you see on social media today, which happens to be all about making ourselves look good. The people of Israel may have looked inferior, insignificant, unsuccessful, so much so that other people are asking those questions about them. Where is their God? But the God they worshipped was always about making himself look good. Israel was always there to show God's glory. It's a pattern throughout the scriptures. Look at Exodus. We'll have that on the screen. Why did God do all those mighty signs and wonders to bring Israel out of Egypt? He could have just got them out earlier, right? The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And that happens just before he drowns them all in the Red Sea. Now sometimes God being glorified will mean he defeats his people's enemies, just like in Exodus. But sometimes it won't. Sometimes God will discipline his children as a loving father disciplines his own children, just like in Hebrews 12 will flash the relevant verse up on the screen. So the first part of this psalm's answer to the question of whether life should look better for the Christian is, well, God is concerned about his own glory. That doesn't mean we're promised an easy life. So it's no wonder that your life doesn't look that easy. And maybe that's not particularly comforting for you. But the next part of the answer is, well, look at the alternative. What does life look like for those who trust in other gods, verses 4 to 8. Now, in the time of the Old Testament, the other gods were physical idols, uh, as Samudu um, helpfully pointed out for us. That was a great children's talk. They were physical idols made by human hands, verse 4. Now, they obviously can't speak, see, smell, feel, walk, and so on. And so these other gods, well, they can't help their worshippers. Now today, most people in Australia don't bow down to these kinds of idols, but in our own sophistication, we've simply come up with different kinds of idols, whether it be money, power, relationship, success, and so on. And we think that following after these things and chasing after them will give us meaning and fulfillment in life. C.S. Lewis, a famous Christian author who wrote the Narnia series of books, well, he spoke of there being a God-shaped hole in people's hearts that they inevitably fill up with something. See, there's no such thing as someone who worships nothing. No, we 
all worship. The question is, what are we worshipping? Now, these modern-day idols may not have a physical form, but their control over us is the same. Rather than bowing down to a physical idol, well, our life then revolves around whatever that idol is. Maybe it's acquiring money, fame, a romantic partner, success, having a happy family, and so on. And these are not bad things, but to elevate them above God is just another form of idol worship. And the same way as the idols did back in the time of ancient Israel, these modern-day idols don't help their worshippers. They trap them instead into chasing something they can never truly fulfill. It's just like how the author of Ecclesiastes puts it. We'll have the verses from chapter 2 on the screen. Say the author tries to chase everything there is under the sun without God in the picture. Uh, Let me read it out for us. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And so this thing we're doing today where we worship these other idols, well, it's not a, it's not a new phenomenon. Even though we don't have the physical idols like before, People do still follow idols, idols who won't help you, who are powerless. In fact, idols who trap us in unfulfilling lives. So there's the choice between following our God who is in the heavens. And Yes, he, he doesn't promise an easy life that you want, but he is a God of love and faithfulness, verse 1. And these gods, these idols, who provide no help at all. You can choose between those things. Now, following these idols means, yes, you can make up your own mind about what is right and wrong. Uh, We're no longer constrained by what God says. But look at the result in verse 8. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Now, the human who has all these things, legs, arms, eyes, ears, a nose, but can't use them, well, what is that human? Well, it's actually someone who is dead. Death is the result of following these idols, and perhaps not immediately, but one day. We know that the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6.23. So it's no surprise that the psalm uh, reminds us of the result of idolatry. Life, for the person who does not follow God, might seem better for a short time, but it most definitely results in death. And so the choice seems really stark. You could follow a God who is loving and faithful. He might not promise an easy life now. Or we can follow false gods who give us nothing but death in the end. And that's why the next verses of the psalm talk about the people's response. Because it's an obvious response, isn't it? Why wouldn't you follow God? uh, Read with me, verse 9. All you Israelites trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. And so even though our God is a glorious God who is concerned about his own glory, not so much ours, but he's here. He's described as Israel's help and shield. So how does that work? How does that work? How, how can God be concerned with his own glory, but he's still described as our help and shield? 
How can God be concerned about his own glory and yet still not give us the trappings of a successful life? Well, it simply means that what so many of us think of as a successful life doesn't match up with what God thinks is what we need. Now, for Israel, maybe they were thinking that the successful life for them meant a total subjugation of their enemies. Maybe it meant Israel being a world superpower, to have nothing to fear at all from nations around them. But look at God's warnings to Israel back in Deuteronomy 8. We'll have that on the screen from verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Remember, Deuteronomy is set before Israel enters the promised land, before they've got all the milk and honey, the, all the good things that God had promised for them. But these are warnings that God is giving to them beforehand about the dangers of forgetting God when life is good. Uh, we come with me to verse 10 as well. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now even though we were not brought out of Egypt and given a promised land with physical blessing like Israel, surely these warnings are pertinent for us today. Now it's no wonder that God doesn't give us that comfortable life today. In fact, doesn't the New Testament promise Christian suffering in this life? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.12. It'll be on the screen. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So it's no surprising that life has a lot of downs to go with the ups, doesn't it? So then we've got to come back to this question. What exactly does God mean when he says he will be their help? And shield because he doesn't promise to shield us from these difficult things that happen in life does he well I think it's the same idea that the Apostle Paul picks up on at the end of Romans 8 nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and that's what it means in verse 12 uh, of our psalm when it says the Lord remembers us and will bless us see God gives us ultimately, every blessing in Jesus. He will never forsake his people, for he is a faithful and unchanging God. And so the future of his people is ultimately secure, even though life might seem difficult now. Note that this blessing is for everyone who is part of God's people. And I think that's why the psalmist singles out the house of Aaron in conjunction with the house of Israel. Now, the house of Aaron is not my family, but... Uh, the priests, the religious elite, the house of Israel, obviously everyone else. And so the blessing for God's people is not restricted to one group or the other. 
No, it's for all who trust in the Lord. And maybe you feel like you're a less involved member of the church here. Maybe you're limited by your health and mobility. Or maybe you're just a really young Christian. You feel like, well, I just don't know the Bible that well. But the blessings for God's people are just as much for you as they are for Dave. It's not about our effort, but about God's faithfulness and blessing. And that's why verse 13 says, God will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. We're called to admit our own helplessness before our Lord. And that's what the Christian message is, isn't it? Well, God's blessing, of course, isn't limited to this life, but the next. And I think that's why the psalm picks up on this idea that those who praise the Lord are not dead, verse 17, but us both now and forevermore, verse 18. There's a contrast between those who praise the Lord who are alive and those who follow the false gods, the idols who end up just like them, dead. There's a hint in this psalm already of the eternal life promised to those who trust in the Lord. The psalm is conscious of the idea that the blessing promised, this idea that God's people will be preserved, extends to a life beyond the grave. Yes, God is concerned with his own glory, and rightly so, and that means we'll be praising him not just now, but forever. Not just in this life, but in the next. God's people will one day surround the throne of the Lamb and praise him for what he's done and who he is. So friends, the question we explored earlier on, is life better for the member of God's people? Well, hopefully this psalm has made it clear to you that life is better for the Christian. You've got life at the end of it, not death. There's two very different choices for us. We can either follow the idols which don't help us, which in fact lead us to death, or we can follow our loving and faithful God who promises to be our help and shield. He doesn't promise an easy life right now, but he does promise eternal life and blessing through Jesus. All we have to do is put our trust in him. Isn't that an obvious choice? And for those who have made that choice already, well, our response should be one of praising the Lord of life and giving him the glory that he deserves, even when life is not easy. How can Christians be people who grumble and who are envious of others who aren't Christians? Hopefully this psalm has made it clear. That's, that's a crazy thought, isn't it? How can we be people who are quick to complain about everything? No, we've been made to joyfully praise our God. Isn't he worth proclaiming to the people around us? Isn't it crazy to think we'd be better off worshipping someone or something else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are sorry for the times when we've thought that life would be better not following you. Please help us to trust you and remember your faithfulness and love, even when times are hard. Thank you for the blessings you've given us in Jesus and for the eternal life that you promise us in your presence. May we praise and honour you as you deserve and turn aside from the idols around us today. Help us to put you first in all things. In Jesus' name.